Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 19, verses 1 to 15, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 19, verses 1 to 15. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. The large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been made so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, And there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. This is the word of the Lord. In these verses, we have the mind of Christ declared on two subjects of great moment. One is the relation of husband and wife. The other is the light in which we should regard little children in the matter of their souls. It is difficult to overrate the importance of these two subjects. The well-being of nations and the happiness of society are closely connected with right views upon them. Nations are nothing but a collection of families. The good order of families depends entirely on keeping up the highest standard of respect for the marriage tie and on the right training of children. We ought to be thankful that on both these points the great head of the church has pronounced judgment so clearly. With respect to marriage, our Lord teaches that the union of husband and wife ought never to be broken off except for the greatest of all causes, namely, actual unfaithfulness. In the days when our Lord is upon earth, divorces were permitted among the Jews for the most trifling and frivolous cases. The practice, though tolerated by Moses, to prevent worse evils, such as cruelty or murder, had gradually become an enormous abuse and no doubt led to much immorality. Malachi 2, verses 14 to 16. The remark made by our Lord's disciples shows the deplorably low state of public feeling on the subject. They said, 
If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. They meant, of course, if a man may not put away his wife for a slight cause at any time, it is better not to marry at all. Such language from the mouths of the apostles sounds strange indeed. Our Lord brings forward a widely different standard for the guidance of his disciples. He first founds his judgment on the original institution of marriage. He quotes the words used in the beginning of Genesis, where the creation of man and the union of Adam and Eve are described as a proof that no relation should be so highly regarded as that of husband and wife. The relation of parent and child may seem very close, but there is one still closer. A man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife. He then backs up the quotation by his own solemn words. What God has joined together, let not man separate. And finally, he brings in the grave charge of breaking the seventh commandment against marriage contracted after a divorce for light and frivolous causes. Whoever divorces a wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries her when she is divorced commits adultery. It is clear from the whole tenor of the passage that the relationship of marriage ought to be highly reverenced and honored among Christians. It is a relationship which was instituted in paradise, in the time of man's innocence, and is chosen figure of the mystical union between Christ and his church. It is a relationship which nothing but death ought to terminate. It is a relationship which is sure to have the greatest influence on those whom it brings together for happiness or for misery, for good or for evil. Such a relationship ought never to be taken in hand unadvisedly, lightly or wantonly, but soberly, discreetly, and with due consideration. It is only too true that thoughtlessly entering into marriage is one of the most fertile causes of unhappiness, and too often may be feared of sin. With respect to little children, we find our Lord instructing us in these verses both by word and deed, both by precept and example. Little children were brought to him, that he should lay his hands on them and pray. They were evidently tender infants, too young to receive instruction, but not too young to receive benefit by prayer. The disciples seemed to have thought them beneath their master's notice and rebuke those that brought them. But this drew forth a solemn declaration from the great head of the church. Allow the little children, and don't forbid them to come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to ones like these. There is something deeply interesting both in the language and action of our Lord on this occasion. We know the weakness and feebleness, both in mind and body, of a little infant. Of all creatures born into the world, none is so helpless and dependent. We know who it was who here took notice of infants and found time in his busy ministry among grown-up men and women to lay his hands on them and pray. It was the eternal Son of God, the great High Priest, the King of Kings, by whom all things exist. The brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. What an instructive picture the whole transaction places before our eyes. 
No wonder that the great majority of the Church of Christ have always seen in this passage a strong, though indirect, argument in favor of infant baptism. Let us learn from these verses that the Lord Jesus cares tenderly for the souls of little children. It is probable that Satan especially hates them. It is certain that Jesus specifically loves them. Young as they are, they are not beneath his thoughts and attention. That mighty heart of his has room for the babe in its cradle, as well as for the king on his throne. He regards each one as possessing within its little body an undying principle that will outlive the pyramids of Egypt and see sun and moon quenched at its last day. With such a passage as this before us, we may surely hope well about the salvation of all who die in infancy. The kingdom of heaven belongs to ones like these. Finally, let us draw from these verses encouragement to attempt great things in the religious instruction of children. Let us begin from their very earliest years to deal with them as having souls to be lost or saved and strive to bring them to Christ. Let us make them acquainted with the Bible as soon as they can understand anything. Let us pray with them and pray for them and teach them to pray for themselves. We may rest assured that Jesus looks with pleasure on such endeavors and is ready to bless them. We may rest assured that such endeavors are not in vain. The seed sown in infancy is often found after many days. Happy is that church whose infant members are cared for as much as the oldest communicants. The blessing of him that was crucified will surely be on that church. He put his hands on little children. He prayed for them. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.